Welcome to The Story Tinker, a place for in-depth analysis of stories, including Midnight Poppyland, Purple Hyacinth, and more. Co-hosted by sharp, witty, and dare I say, thirsty fans, we dive deep into every episode, analyzing character, relationship development, and plot theories. You can follow The Story Tinker on all podcast platforms and videos of most episodes on YouTube. You can also follow The Story Tinker on Instagram and Facebook. If you'd like weekly bonus content, sneak peeks, and more, you can support The Story Tinker on Patreon. Thanks for listening to The Story Tinker, and let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode eight of The Purple Hyacinth. And today we have Meg and Hatsy, and I'll let you girls introduce yourself. Hello, um, my name is Hatsy. You've probably seen me um, lurking around in the Discord because I'm active there a lot. I draw, I write, I script, I basically do a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's my first podcast and I'm excited to be here. Hi, I'm Meg, been on a couple podcasts and um, excited to do another one. It's always enjoyable. And you have signed up for a lot, which a lot of people have. So this episode is called Challenging Choice or Choices. And last episode ended with Lauren kind of sort of trying to tell Herman about what really happened last night, but Herman rebuffed her, um, alluding to her mistake. And this is what she's mulling over as she's standing outside this elegant Art Hollis police department. You see her hunched over, leaning against the wall, looking down, kind of looking defeated. And she thinks to herself, it's been over a year and they still think I'm unfit for duty. And she just has like a shadow over her which the shadow actually does come from a person, which we'll see. But it's definitely reflective of her mood. And now, who is this shadow? The shadow actually comes from a very sunny person. It's, it's Kim. <laughs> and Kim says, I, Lauren. And Lauren brightens up. She's like, it's Kim. And Kim notices Lauren's feelings. And she says, Herman's being a jerk to you again, huh? And one thing, it actually, it, uh, it took me a second because I was like, wait, does, does Kim have two different color eyes? But it's just her blue hair falling over her gold eye, I guess. So they both have golden eyes. <laughs> I like the unique eye colors in these. Like, you don't see people with gold eyes, I don't think. Yep. Yeah, there, there's people with purple eyes, I think. Yeah, Violet. We've got Violet eyes, although that is actually a, an actual thing. It's a medical conditioner. I know Alexander Hamilton had, like, Violet eyes. Um, really? I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, so it, it's rare, but it happens. I also just like the overall sunny um, lighting of this episode. It's really nice. Like, it feels so fresh and relaxing. Lighting is, I think, one of the strengths of the, the this whole story. I wish, like, I could light as well as this. Like, here it's, you know, sunny and relaxing, like you said. In other places, it's somber, it's dramatic, it's it's just beautiful. Yeah, watching um, watching the streams and how she does the art and everything like that, and she does it so fast, like, and you can see all of a sudden the shadows, the lighting on their faces, and she does it like that, and I, that's, that's talent. I can't, nope, can't fathom. And Kim, being a good friend, says, <laughs> you know, Lauren's like, oh, don't worry, nothing happened. Um, and Kim is like, uh-uh. She's like, you know, I don't need your weird ability to know you're lying. So Kim knows about Lauren's ability, this established early on. And so far, I don't think it's come up much in the story, but 
I'm assuming it will. Like the fact that Kim knows. So, yeah. I mean, the, sorry, go ahead. Um, it's a, another strong point in this episode, or at least in this panel, is that it really shows how deep and strong Kim and Warren's relationship is. Like, they can depend on each other, which I think is a really sweet thing in this episode. Yeah, nice. yeah, it's just, she's, one thing I really love uh, bouncing off of that is with Kim, the, especially as we're in the early chapters here, and we're still in the stages of establishing the characters, and we aren't, as the reader at this point, we're not super aware of who these characters are, we're still learning about them, and I love it when certain character straight, uh, traits are constantly hammered home, for example, Kim's constant, like up to this point, she's always super silently, quietly observant. Like she's a loud person, but from certain aspects and not so much others. Like in that last chapter, we saw her watch Lauren go after the room, go after Herman out of the room. And Kim saw it and she noticed it and she was just like, don't. But of course, Lauren was already gone. But she sees it and she's got a big tender heart, arguably larger than Will's, I think. Um, but I love it when that characterization is constantly hammered home. That's great to see. And female friends and friendship in general is just extremely important for human being psychological health. So uh, a lot of times people tend to focus on romance where friendship is essential. So Lauren is like, ah, you know, clearly um, a little uncomfortable at Kim's perceptiveness. And she's like, ah, well, the captain thought it opportune to remind me of my mistake again today. But she kind of fails to say, you know, why? <laughs> you know, Kim says like, oh, I don't understand why they're being so rough on you. Um, you know, it's, Lauren is neglecting to say what she said that prompted this <laughs> harsh response from Herman, but okay. And she's like, you're not, it's not like you're the first person in this department to ever screw up. Yeah, Herman's singling you out like he never has anyone else. And she has this little grumpy expression on her face, which is really cute. But Lauren does take responsibility. She's not completely... Um, you know, we, do, we see she, she sometimes takes too much responsibility, often takes too much responsibility. You know, she takes responsibility for an attack that was not her fault and for, you know, the death of her friend, which was not her fault. And, but it's nice that she takes responsibility for something she did actually do. <laughs> and she says, I suppose I gave him a good reason to. Um, now, Kim brings up something that is useful information. She said, then why isn't your uncle helping you? He's the chief of the police. This has gone on long enough. But Lauren correctly says, come on, Kim, I can't take advantage until Uncle Tristan's position, which we would expect no less from our independent Lauren, but it's nice to have confirmation <laughs> that she does not want to be nepotistic. And she says, I didn't need his help to become a detective and I won't use it to get my rank back either. I'd rather end up on the streets than do that. I mean, that's the extent to which Lauren is independent. It definitely comes across in all her other behavior where she does not want to have other people helping her. And again, sometimes a little too excessively and to her detriment. It really shows her character as a person. And that, like you said, she takes a lot of responsibility. But um, what's really good about her character is that she actually admits that whatever she did a year ago was not correct. And she 
is determined. She she will not get help from her uncle and she will regain her rank as detective back respectively with her own abilities, which I think is a really strong character point because she's not relying on anybody. She's really doing what she thinks is right. And I think we might've discussed this in a prior podcast. Um, I honestly can't remember, but uh, that's true. She's like you said, Mindy, um, she's extremely independent, but as much as this can be a strength for her, especially when it comes to taking responsibility for her own actions and, you know, wanting to get back her rank on her own, Lauren has a common theme of doing everything on her own. She doesn't, I don't think she knows how to ask for help, honestly. She takes everything onto herself and is, is, that can be a strength, but it also can be a really big weakness because honestly, we're not designed to take everything on by ourselves. We're designed to also depend on the people that we love. And I don't think Lauren knows how to do that. Definitely. And I actually think I've, you know, just from where we're at now, she's learned to do it a little bit more, which is great in a surprising manner <laughs> or with a surprising person. Not giving anything away here, but. <laughs> I think everybody Kim, knows what you're hinting at, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Kim um, recognizes that she knows her friend and she says, I know you would. And it's their loss anyway. You know, thanks Kim, see you later. She's trying not to terrorize the poor sods in the shooting exam. <laughs> because, and Kim of course laughs it off. She's like, Psh, terrorize. I don't even know what that word means. See ya, Lauren. And it's very cute. They're just being cutesy and, you know, going away to their respective duties. And Kim <laughs> has this very cute <laughs> vignette where she puts on her cap and then puts on her cool dude sunglasses and <laughs> instantly transforms into a very um, terrorizing, unlike contrary to what she claimed earlier, uh, instructor. <laughs> you see, you see her shooting a gun, you know, she's, her hand is like in motion. Four people behind her are just outlined in white. They're like ghosts. They look terrified. There's bam, bam, bam. She hits the target precisely three times with like barely any indication that there's more than one bullet. <laughs> Clearly very, very skilled and has a great aim. It's one of my favorites. I, I love the comedic style and you we're still in the beginning here so that was when I first read it I was like oh it's one of these stories with one of with that kind of humor okay I'm on board <laughs> um this is actually this panel of Kim um terrorizing the poor shots it's actually my gmail background for like six months or so um it was really motivational because it was really scary because it really made you focus on your work. It's like, oh no, Kim's gonna shoot me if I don't do my work. So it got definitely is one of my favorite panels. It shows Kim as a really energetic person and I love her for that. Right, and that, that's also, you know, she's a very goofy character, but then when you discover that she has this talent where she is really, really good at something, it just gives you this respect for her. And um, yeah, it's kind of a little bit of frightening. You know, you take her more seriously than you than you did if she was just a goofball. I don't know, that particular scene. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, it's okay, you could go first. 
Oh, I was just going to say that that particular scene, though, doesn't make me fear Kim at all. I laughed my butt off. <laughs> um, well, the, like Mindy said, the talent really added dimension to her character. So it definitely made me like her more. It definitely made me take Kim more seriously as a character. And that's like one of the best qualities of BH. They add flavor and dimension to their characters that it's so easy to relate to them. Yeah, they definitely are um, all interesting and unique, each one of them, which is great. So those poor G souls are quaking in their stalls, I guess. Uh, I don't think your aim is, has been improved by their trembling. And she says, good morning, fresh meat. If you don't match this marksmanship, I'm going to fail you so hard, you'll wish you were dead. <laughs> Just, yeah, terror terrorizing them, completely belying everything she said earlier. <laughs> now we're back to Lauren. Lauren is going on patrol and she's giving us a bit of a, an insight into the, how the Autolis Police Department views their duties, or in particular, how Lauren does. And she says, in the exercise of our duties, we left behind the personal, the political, and you know, she, you see her just getting, putting her jacket on, getting her mask out, the subjective. We were to maintain peace and order and uh, impartially. And now she's putting her mask on. So this mask is supposed to anonymize them and show that they are, well, here, well, we'll just read her, her explanation. Our identity is not only protected, but subsumed by the masks we wore. And you see Will leading um, Lauren and Lucas and other people out onto the patrol. She says, under the symbol, we weren't individuals. And then you have this um, the statue, which is in the square, which we kind of, we see several times, or we see statues several times over this um, story. And the statue, she's a winged woman holding up a torch, presumably representing justice and light and um, things being done correctly. And she says, we were an entity. And again, we have an, an image of the, the APD logo on the doors. We were the Artalis Police Department. And now you see another guy who again looks like Chris Schaefer <laughs> with the mustache <laughs> and the hat. And while the police are passing by, he says, did you hear the purple hyacinth struck again last night? And this other person he's corresponding with says, yes, how horrible, poor Lady Grayson. And Lucas overhears this and he says, rumors are spreading like wildfire. And Lauren tells us, gives us some insight into something that happened, which um, we're gonna connect it to what she's been mulling over since the morning. She says, once I made the mistake of forgetting the mask. I think I you see them walking. You have a little red London telephone booth behind them, just cute. <laughs> and of letting personal resentment guide my actions. It cost me my rank as detective, my self-respect, my credibility. And again, as we're as she says all this, we just see a lot of regular citizens of our Hollis dressed quite spiffily. You know, their outfits are great with their top hats. And then somehow everyone's grayed out. But you see this one person who is not grayed out. Who could it be? <laughs> I wonder who it is. <laughs> And, you know, behind her mask, just like gives a look. She says, still, I found no answers. And she's looking so intently that she crashes into Will. 
and Will just responds with his joke. He's like, your pretty golden eyes look pensive today, Zier Lauren. <laughs> Poor girl, the whole this, office. Every- this yeah. makes me laugh every single time. <laughs> You know, when you're with your friends and they have like that one inside joke or that joke that like lasts forever and they don't let it drop. Oh um, my God, yes. It's <laughs> annoying and it drives, I, I honestly don't find it funny. Somebody made a joke about everybody wearing Crocs at my wedding. And for years, I'm talking literal years, this one person <laughs> tagged in every picture of a pair of Crocs that she saw on any social media platform whatsoever. And I was like, honey, it's been two years. The joke is old now. So I feel the frustration with the pensive eyes. What's <laughs> <laughs> um, also interesting as a minor detail of this episode is when the panel where Will says, your pretty golden eyes look pensive today, dear Lauren, behind him is a tiny circle and it's yellow. And that always gets me because it's also like adding more detail to the joke by using a yellow color to highlight the joke itself. <laughs> That's funny, I didn't realize that. I know whenever there's like a, a funny panel, the South so, so puts like a bright color, she, you know, white out the background, she puts like a bright color in the back. But yeah, I didn't notice the, the yellow and the golden cor- connection. <laughs> oh, and so yeah so Lauren is distracted by seeing him and you know she not like you Meg she doesn't seem very happy about this joke she says I swear I'll hit the next person who says pensive eyes on Lauren in the next sentence <laughs> I'm, I'm with I'm with her there I feel it <laughs> so, and Will says there is no escape your disastrous states are too iconic to be forgotten Kim told me all about it so they communicate she she shares information with him they have some kind of relationship <laughs> even if it's just to make fun of Lauren who does not seem too pleased <laughs> <laughs> but Will in addition to Kim Will also has picked up that something is bothering Lauren he says may I ask what's on your mind he goes from joking which um you know sometimes can be irritating to actually caring about her and she says hmm and he tells her you barely uttered a word since we left headquarters you look like you're plotting a murder <laughs> which not that far from the truth. I'm plotting with a murderer. <laughs> and he's like, be careful. Grumpy cat might get jealous. <laughs> Grumpy cat's like, I can hear you, hogs. <laughs> but Lauren, of course, denies anything because she doesn't like to share. She probably wouldn't like to share even if it wasn't involving the purple hyacinth, but especially since it's involving the purple hyacinth, she just doesn't know what to think. And she's in a lot of conflict. And she says, there's nothing to worry about, Will, really. Um, if they would, could hear lies, Lauren's text would be in red. <laughs> and you all would just behind him, just like, I'm plotting your murder. Um, so it, the panels really show, like, I, I know I keep repeating this, but like in the first early episodes, um, they really show how strong Will, Lauren, and Kim's bonds are. Like, as friends, they're, like, inseparable. Um, One, Fran, Kim, and Will could notice if Lauren is thinking about something, is feeling um, more glum. And they can make her feel more at ease. And you could see that Lauren doesn't want to involve her friends. She doesn't want to make them worry 
And it's really heartwarming to see these panels come to life. dimension, right, that she doesn't want them to worry, but, you know, withholding information from people sometimes will make them not worry in the short run, but will give them a big headache later on in the long run, <laughs> which, again, I think is another major theme in this story where people withhold information and it just comes back and shoots them <laughs> in the foot later. Well, I think lies and distrust in general is a big theme for the story because it's, it's layered in there subtly. Obviously she can hear lies, so that's a big part of it. But the actual themes of like, what is truth and what is right versus what is wrong versus what's accepted and then, um, and what's you know deemed appropriate by society, all of that's layered in there. And I love the layers. I love it. But she denies it. She's like, I'm just a bit tired. I didn't chug two liters of coffee like you did this morning. And her words are interrupted because she sees a man who has gotten himself up on the statue, the statue of justice. He's kind of like hugging her behind the wings. There's a crowd gathered around him and he, uh, the crowd is mumbling about the couple highs and they're like, did you hear about the pH last night? It's terrifying. And the man, you know, yells for attention. He says, hear me out. It's already been 10 years since the Allendale train station, train tragedy. The police still haven't found anything, anything. And he's riling the crowd up. Lauren is observing. He says, you can count on your fingers the numbers of active Phantom Scythe members they've neutralized. And last night, the Purple Hyacinth reappeared. And at this moment, we see, <laughs> we see our actual Purple Hyacinth just standing there watching dum, him. Dum, dum, dramatic <laughs> music. <laughs> this guy has some nerve. Oh my gosh. And the I man think that was my first genuine oh crap of the series when I was reading it I was like shoot okay bold this guy is bold and the man continues is this really the protection our city deserves and not only okay not only does he have the nerve to appear there one wonders if he like followed Lauren outside of her you know police department he goes and he looks at Lauren now ah, with that face <laughs> that like that Hmm. Somebody said punchable face. I don't, I'm not really into punching people. I don't know. Maybe it's not punchy, but like, <laughs> ugh, that arrogant face. <laughs> and, you know, people are, are saying he's right. We deserve better. Lauren is just shocked. We see her eyes underneath her mask. She is wide eyed, disturbed. And she, we have a close up of his eyes, and his eyes are like, intense and kind of challenging like I'm here what are you gonna do about it <laughs> sexy what mm. <laughs> <laughs> yes very much um those blue eyes oh and then the next panel he has the audacity he smiles at her he smirks at her i you just gotta wonder this he knows she's on the edge last night she refused his offer she said you're crazy and yes, he could tell that she was considering his offer, but this is so dangerous for him. He's in the middle of a crowd. She's with her friends. She mm -hmm. could just like put out him in a second. And I guess he has a high faith in his abilities to escape if needed. Or he's just convinced that Lauren is that obsessed that she won't say anything. <laughs> what do you or think? That, um, or maybe that can, oh, sorry, Hadzi, you go first. Uh, okay, so to kind of, add on um, to why I think Kieran 
or the purple hyacinth challenged her with that smile at the very end. Um, at this point, in the last episode, when they had their conversation, so that would be episode three, they already, he already mentioned, he already kind of opened her eyes, like, quote, um, the police must despise the phantom side. At this point, she could hear the lies, and he knows that she can hear the lies. So he kind of opened her up. She's, he's challenging the world on her views of how the world looks like right now. Because everything she thought was true is actually false. For example, like that in episode three, all police officers despise the phantom side is a false statement because we already know that because it's in red. He's challenging her in an indirect way that would hopefully push her to take his offer because that's, I think, why it's called challenging choice. And she can't exactly apprehend Kieran in the right square because of the APD motto. They're supposed to, when doing work for the APD, they can't act on their own personal views or actions. They, because what they do reflects in the end, it's not an individual act, it's the act of the RLS police department. That's a really good take. I I don't think I've thought about that it from that angle before. But so what you're saying is like he was purposely he was depending on those seeds of doubt that he put in her the night before to make it even harder for him to for her to, you know, act on what she would normally do the following afternoon. It makes you wonder how much he actually planned like you said Mindy that that yeah. um that meeting in the in the courtyard. That's It's interesting. If that's the, also, you know, quite knowing whether that meeting was planned or not, it's definitely one of the mysteries that's still haunting us till today. <laughs> I but, don't know if we'll ever know, honestly. Well, that would be disappointing, but okay. I, I don't know. I, I don't know how much is, you know, made to be coincidence in this story or how much is going to be found out that was actually on purpose. I don't, I think that's one of the upcoming twists, but I have no idea, honestly. So who knows? <laughs> We, we never know. That's the exciting thing about mystery. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have to say, ending ending a chapter on that face is quite a treat. <laughs> Imagine just like reading that episode and the next episode wasn't out. You would like grab your money just to fast pass that next episode. Like you would oh, risk your money. Oh, I was there at that point. I did exactly that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's um i think there's right now there's two basically two a fast pass for midnight populine and for purple hyacinth and then occasionally i read other ones and then occasionally when i get very you know excited by a chapter then i fast pass and then i wait a few more weeks to catch up but yeah purple hyacinth i fast pass right away <laughs> uh, well not right away yeah. after the first time i read it i didn't i rejected the whole story and then when i came back to it then i really liked it that i fast passed <laughs> Mindy, oh. yeah, I, you never heard. I've said it on the podcast a couple of times. I guess I stopped saying it after the first, like I don't know, ten times I said it. 
but yeah, I, um, when I first came onto Webtoons, I, I came to it through Midnight Poppy Land and I fell in love with that right away. And then I started, I tried some other stories and I tried Purple Hyacinth and I turned it off within the first two episodes because it was like violent and gory. And I was like, I don't like violence and gore. It's gross. I'm not, I was like, I'm not going to make myself read stories that I don't like. So I, I didn't go back to it. And then one of my Midnight Poppy Land friends um, was like, oh, it's a great story. You should try it. I was like, okay, you know what? I respect your opinion. I'll try it. And then I tried it again and I really liked it. <laughs> That's so, great. Yeah. Second chances <laughs> worth it. <laughs> Can't imagine your reaction when you actually read the killing joke though. Ooh. Oh, they're still right next to me. I actually um <gasps> I'm I'm gonna um ask on, on the Discord. I want to make a video specifically about those three books and how I think okay. they relate. I'm gonna I, ask everyone for information. I'm gonna just like shut up right now about the books because I like well I will not stop about books. Um there's a document. It's not recording for this episode and then we could just talk about it. <laughs> Oh, that'd be great. Um, but in the fandom side, there's underneath fan theories, there should be Lauren's board. And if you scroll a little bit up, there should be Purple Hyacinth book parallels. And yeah, you could access a Google document from there. There's a lot of heated discussion that I took part in about many book parallels in Purple Hyacinth. You could take a look at that. Well, let me just stop recording for this episode. Thank you to my current patrons, Susie, Lady Libris, Alley Cat, Chelsea, Lily, Jenny, Haley, One and Only Taco, Elizabeth, Maria, Molly, Veronica, Emily, Emily, Joe Rochelle, Dahlia, Saucy Tuggles, Meg, Anne Rose, Priya, and Stephanie. I appreciate your support so much.